Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. Friday, everybody. My name's Indy, and the gentleman next to me is Mr. Jay Powell from Powell Group Consulting. And welcome to another exciting, amazing, awesome episode of Indie Game Business. Thank you so much, Tripwire Presents, for presenting us with a sponsorship where we can keep this thing rolling at the level that it is. And today we've got Wahid Lodin from Looper PR, and the topic of the day is how successful PR and marketing can land you an investment or publishing deal. Hmm. I wonder if anyone's interested in hearing about that. <laughs> no. 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 Why? Why would that matter? I need you, to unmute you and Discord. You don't need that. Uh, all right. So why you? You know how we always start these things, man. So tell us how you originally got into the industry, and then walk us through your career up to find founding your new firm. Yeah, definitely, Jay. Uh, first of all, thanks for for having me. Uh, been watching the show for you know quite a bit. We worked together in the past, and I think it's the first time uh, we're face to face on this uh, podcast. Also, don't forget to unmute in Discord, please. There we go. Okay. Uh, I'm so for everyone Discord, on Discord, yeah. Wahid said a bunch of stuff that was super important. You don't need to know what it was. So, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I was just saying thanks thanks to Jay and the team for for having me on. We've known each other for a while, so uh, happy to finally be here. Um, so yeah. You know, I used to be a uh, radio journalist. I graduated college with a journalism degree, um, spent a few years there, got an internship at a, a gaming agency, uh, you know, found out I really liked it and I, I did particularly well uh, at it. Um, and, you know, the rest was history. I kind of continued my trajectory onwards, worked at a few uh, PR agencies, uh, went in-house to a few tech startups, actually. And I think that was pretty beneficial. Uh, you know, I had worked at uh, quite a few startups over in uh, New York, got some consulting gigs as well. Um, and then, you know, been exposed to all types of marketing. Um, so I was able to really compartmentalize everything. Um, and then when when COVID happened, uh, I essentially had taken everything that I learned and what the most important aspects I found in, in PR, traditional marketing, digital marketing, uh, put it together and, you know, basically created Looper. And, um, you know, we went from a single person consultancy, which was just me, um, to over the last year growing to a team of uh, we're five now and uh, about to be six. Um, so everything has been working, you know, pretty, pretty well so far. 
Well, that's awesome. And congratulations. And that's how the Powell group started 12 years ago. I just named it the group. Yeah. So people would think there were more people than just me. And so marketing one-on-one, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> Pre pretend that, you know, you're way busier than you actually are. Um, so this is an interesting conversation today because we've had a lot of talks about PR and marketing, always popular talks, but it's generally on the consumer side. But today we're going to focus more on how a good PR marketing strategy can help you land a publisher or an investor for the game. So more, I would say the B2B side of marketing. So starting from the top, why is this important for you to be marketing your game if you're still looking for an investor or a publisher? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I'm pretty sure everyone here is familiar with how tough the indie landscape can be. I mean, it's just so hard to stand out in a, a sea of you know, thousands of games. Um, you know, thousands of games hit Steam uh, each month. And, um, you know, you really just have to be able to stand out. So a lot of people find unique ways to do that. Um, I think that for the purposes of finding an investor or a publisher, it's incredibly important because um, they're the ones that are able to essentially help your your game your development studio scale um and it's not always the case you know don't get me wrong I, I just think that finding a publisher and investor is just incredibly important for some people um lot, lots and lots of indies are, are looking for the right partner to work with and you know in order to be able to do that you need to get on the radar so um that's where marketing comes in you know you need to be able to build your brand awareness uh work on your profile and your social media presence um and then you get put on the map right so uh, marketing then becomes kind of a two-way street. Uh, traditionally, indie studios or any studios really that are looking for a publisher are the ones to pitch themselves. Um, but if you do a good enough job at marketing yourself and you get the right kind of audience, you if you, uh, you know, eventually see eyeballs uh, uh, coming in from the publishers and investors. They'll find you, uh, which is kind of the opposite of how it traditionally uh, has worked. So you know, with that said, uh, you do a good enough job at marketing yourself and the publishers and investors come to you. I had to unmute there, which makes you stand out a little more because it is, like you said, it's, it's completely competitive. All right. And so we've already got a question coming in and it goes straight into what we're going to talk about next anyway. So Matthew on YouTube says, I've got experience with Facebook. Is that enough social media presence? Yeah. So, uh, Matthew, I'll say that, um, you know, Facebook is a great tool to reaching some audiences, but it's really not where the core of your audience lies. Um, you know, Twitter has become a really uh, a foundational block to the game dev community. Uh, I would say that you should, you know, log in your journey across all social media platforms, but Start with Twitter. You're on Facebook, which is great. Uh, you want to be as engaged in the discussion as possible. And a majority of game developers today use Twitter as that path. Um, you know, in addition to that, don't leave out uh, LinkedIn. Make sure you're growing your, your Discord community as well. Uh, it's kind of a tough thing for, you know, uh, an indie developer to be able to develop their game, work on the business aspect of things and the marketing, uh, which is why a lot of the times marketing agencies are hired because it's a bandwidth thing. Uh, but, you know, keep in mind, you have to d diversify your social presence. I, I don't think that just relying on Facebook by itself is, uh, you know, that great of a strategy. It is great that you started, but, you know, look at expanding uh, your social media presence elsewhere. So what about what about TikTok? 
which has always been the hot one lately. I mean, we know it's a good way to reach consumers. How does TikTok factor into the business side? Yeah, TikTok, I, I, I honestly, I, I love TikTok. Um, you know, it's a fantastic platform to get eyeballs. They have a great algorithm that works in um, the po- the poster's favor. Uh, you know, I myself have a TikTok where I mess around and, and post some things and I've gone viral a few times and it's led to um, a lot of traffic to my personal profile, to my Instagram, to my website. I think TikTok is phenomenal. Um, so in regards to how it it helps you, I mean, if you look at the traditional marketing funnel, right, from the top to bottom approach, you have to first get your your product seen. Um, I think TikTok is a great place to get that uh, first step going. Um, so, you know, be able to showcase your game, work on the development, show the journey of what you're working on on a day-to-day ba- basis, um, how you're building out your product and what new features are being implemented, you know, uh, through each deployment. Every time you're working on, uh, making a new character in the game, working on a new uh, you know item or a, a new feature, uh, explain how it's done. Even just uh, you know uh, reposting a video that you have on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, I think is phenomenal. Uh, but then make sure that you know your your product is traceable, your your company is uh, viewable from your TikTok. So be able to you know, slap your website on there and and make sure that the funnel is working. Get them over to your website. Get them over to your other social media channels. Um, I, I would say that out of all the social media platforms, TikTok is the most favorable in terms of uh, the algorithm helping out the poster. Um, and we've seen a lot of success with our clients doing that. Uh, but just make sure that the rest of the funnel is is um, you know going forth and be able to get them to your web page, get them to your other socials. Um, and then you know eventually when the users come flocking in and your wish lists go up, your social presence goes up, um, you're seeing an increase in followers and engagement. I mean, investors look at that kind of stuff. Publishers really love to see that. And we've seen time and time again that, uh, you know, a lot of publishers are looking at your social media presence and your engagement. Um, they're looking to see how active your community is and how you were able to build it uh, from the ground up. Um, because anyone can really pay for, you know, social media campaign and buff up their numbers with some kind of, you know, BS uh, money being thrown behind it. Um, but building it organically is, is a whole different beast. And being able to do that, I think TikTok is a crucial first step. So another question coming in from YouTube. See, y'all are already making my life super easy this morning. So from Captured Rapture, what are some of the most important KPIs that investors or publishers use in their selection progress process? Are they different depending on the platform as in PC versus console versus mobile? Yeah, definitely. So from the from the publisher or investor side, I would say that there are some key metrics that they traditionally look at, you know, your wish list, your engagements, uh, what your conversion rates are in, in regards to your paid campaigns, how expensive is it to acquire a new user? You know, all of these are the traditional things that they look at. Um, but also keep in mind the marketing metrics that you're presenting and how you can leverage that to your benefit. Uh, you know, example, like how active is your social media? What does the average engagement look like? Um, if you're seeing, you know, 50 to 60 likes and retweets uh, per post on your development um, journey, and you're showcasing that, you're participating in like Wishlist Wednesday and Trailer Tuesdays, uh, Screenshot Saturdays, and you're seeing engagement across the board, you're building your Discord, your Wishlists are going up. These are all phenomenal numbers and ways to convey that uh, your product and your game are valuable for an investor. Uh, 
so, you know, there, there's kind of two sets of, of KPIs you're looking at. One is what the publisher and investor traditionally look at. And two is the marketing KPI that you're able to present to them that kind of shows the value of uh, your product. So, you know, I, with that said, I would say that um, uh, we covered the, the publisher and investor KPIs that they're usually looking for. But, um, you know, in, in regards to the marketing KPIs that you can present, talk about your Discord numbers. What does your Discord engagement look like? How has the growth looked like over the past six to 12 months? Did you go from zero users to 100? Did you go from 100 to 1,000? That's phenomenal. You need to share those. Uh, because scaling, I would say, gets easier as your Discord gets bigger. Your referral process um, becomes more robust. More and more people are being active and engaged. Um, and then that takes to other platforms. So you know, getting them to your Discord and getting them to your Twitter are incredibly important. Uh, because eventually they'll find their way to your Steam page. They'll be following you. They'll be wishlisting your games, checking out your demos. Um, you know, when they download a demo, if you have a thousand um, demo downloads of your product, that's important to share with an investor. That means that there's an audience for what you have. Um, and then also using, you know, uh, testers to your advantage. What are the testers saying? Uh, these are all things that can be very marketable and you can pivot it to show them how active you're being. Uh, you know, on the on the development front as well as the marketing front. I think that, um, you know, it, an investor's job is to uh, run the ins and outs of uh, your product and make sure that everything's um, looking good for them. But uh, half the job is for you to present it in a way to reassure them that that's the case. So, and, and of course, the next question that we were all expecting to come in, you know, has arrived. So how many followers is a good number for an indie game to have before launch? But I'll also add on to that. How does the, especially when we're talking about wish list, how does the age of the wish list affect whether it's actually viable or a good one? It's a good question. Um, I, you know, I hate to be that guy. I don't think that there's a good minimum number. I think that the quality of the number is uh, far more important. So, you know, for example, let's say that, um, your, your Twitter page, uh, has, you know, like a thousand followers, but your engagement, you're seeing 50 to 60 likes. That's a pretty good number. Um, uh, you know, that's like a five to 6% engagement rate, um, uh, which is traditionally higher than, um, companies that, that have far more followers than that. Um, but having, you know, a hundred thousand followers and like 10 to 20 likes and, and retweets, um, that's a pretty, uh, abysmal engagement rate. And I've seen it time and time again. I know how the algorithm is done. I know that they're boosting their numbers to make it look good for investors. But at the end of the day, impressions are impressions. They're, they're not actual engagement. Um, so making sure you build quality followers is important. Um, and then in regards to wish lists, you know, wish lists, I, I think statistically speaking, and uh, I'm not sure if this is the actual number. I, I may have read it somewhere that one to two percent of wish lists convert for a Steam product when they launches. Uh, you know that that is the case in, in a lot of ways. Yes, um, but if you have a quality followership, I think that that number can be even higher. You know, we've seen clients in the past that uh, we've helped them with community marketing, and they have built up their numbers in such a quality way that they've launched with two thousand wish lists, um, but ten percent of that converted. You know, they had 200 sales within the first week of launch, which was phenomenal. I mean, you're you're beating Steam average benchmarks, uh, what others are seeing in the industry. 
because you were able to keep them active and engaged, uh, build quality followings. And I think that's the most important aspect of things. So I wouldn't focus too much on the volume. Don't look at the number and say, you know, I need 10,000 wish lists. Um, look at your overall assessment, how many you have in your discord, how many people you have on Twitter, how many people are engaged in all of your social media posts and your discords, make sure you're treating your, um, your beta testers and your, your demoers, you know, very well with rewards and stuff like that. Um, and they're the ones that are going to convert because new users uh, typically don't convert on, on first touch with your game. You have to be able to build a community and, and earn their trust for them to follow the game and then convert when the game launches. And another thing about wishlist is, you know, the age of the wishlist. Um, I think if you're doing a very good job at remaining active and informed, you know, sharing Steam updates, sharing Discord updates, keeping everyone posted on how close the game is to launching, what new features you're launching, um, it doesn't really matter how old the wishlists are. I know statistically the older a wishlist is, the harder it is to convert. Um, so if something from like two years ago when you announced the game to two years later, uh, yeah, the likelihood of that is, is much lower. But I think if you've done a fantastic job of maintaining communication and transparency, being able to incorporate you know, those wishlisters with you along the way of your product, you're going to see better results than most. And I think that's the most important aspect to consider. So when the investors are going, or investors and publishers in particular versus consumers are going and looking for games, it's like I just came out of a green light meeting with one of our publisher scouting, scouting clients minutes ago. Where do you see this this particular segment going to find games? You know, where should developers be focusing their marketing effort to specifically be seen by publishers and investors? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, there, there's kind of a few uh, different areas I recommend. Um, so first and foremost, you know, be active on social media. I think that that's always the answer. Um, being active on Twitter and making sure that you're being engaged with your community is a fantastic way to get um, a publisher noticed because they're the ones following the discussions. And everyone's on social media. You know, and if you're, you're not a proper investor or publisher if you're not consistently browsing for new products and things to invest in if you're not looking on uh, you know, Twitter or Facebook for new products. Um, but with that said, I think that there's some additional ways to help. Um, you know, one being PR. So you know, getting your game seen by media is incredibly important. Um, a lot of the times people come and they're like, okay, I want to get into IGN. I want to get in Game Informer and it'll boost my wish list. It'll boost my sales. It, it is the case sometimes. It's not the case every single time. So I want to make that clear. PR at the end of the day is a brand awareness tool. It's a way for you know your brand to build this profile, to get seen by others. Um, it's not a direct customer acquisition uh, campaign. So if you're looking to get into PR, get into IGN, expect a thousand sales overnight, it doesn't work that way. But what you want to do is be able to leverage PR that when someone Googles your your company, the first thing that comes up is an article uh, showcasing your demo to talk about your company, to talk about the journey that you took to building your game. That's all phenomenal ways to get noticed because investors are always reading you know, different sites and uh, publishers are looking into these sites uh, like IGN and and Game Informer to look for uh, studios to invest in and games that look particularly interesting. Uh, and typically the ones that are on those websites are the ones that are getting noticed by the gamers too. Um, so it, it makes sense for them to want to inquire and learn more. You know, if, if both a publisher 
and a regular gamer or everyday gamers um, reading an IGN article about this new game that's coming out next year, uh, I'm pretty sure they're both going to inquire about it. It, it. It's it's just the way that the funnel works. Um, and then, you know, that that's the PR aspect of things, getting into media sites, getting your game on the radar of journalists and getting articles written about you, um, you know, your, your game previewed and reviewed. Um, and then there's influencer marketing with it, which I think is equally just as important. So having Twitch streamers and content creators play your game, be able to showcase how great it is. Uh, it's, it's a phenomenal way to just get on the radar because they share it on multiple channels. Um, eventually someone's going to see it. The right person's going to see it and want to uh, learn more about it, whether it be a, a consumer or an investor, uh, you know, cause they're all looking at the same channels. Uh, but with that said, uh, you know, again, a brand building technique, it's something that uh, makes your product uh, stand out. You know, people will know it's important because it got on the radar of influencers who wanted to check it out. Uh, and again, it's a crucial brand building tool. I think that it's uh, very much a necessity to be able to, to stand out that way. Um, so, I mean, and, how much danger do you run when you have, you do this PR campaign before you have a publisher? How much of a risk is it when the publishers turn around and go, oh, wait, you've already announced the game. We don't want to touch it. Yeah, that, that's definitely a good point to, to have. And I've seen a few different case studies where that kind of goes against the grain of what, what you're saying, uh, Jay. So it's not always the case. I mean, uh, an investor or publisher will be equally as, as interested in a product if it's a quality product, if people are writing about it. Because the, at the end of the, deal, uh, the day, the, the revenue that they get comes from the deal that they land with you when the game launches and starts to sell. So, I mean, keep in mind that, you know, they may want to, you know, do the announcement around it to showcase it and, and to do that first reveal or whatever. But uh, the numbers come from the sales and, you know, they want to be able to strike that deal before launch. Uh, but I have seen time and time again that a, a lot of our clients, um, ones that work with Looper right now or those that I've worked with in the past as a consultant, they have struck many investment and many publishing deals after announcing the game. Um, it's... It's a very good question. I think that you know it was something that was thought about um, a few years back. But um, you know, investors now and, and publishers now they just care about where the money is, and the money comes from sales. So if you're doing a good job marketing the game, you announce it, everyone's covering it, and it looks you know to be a phenomenal uh, opportunity for them, and they're going to want to invest regardless of the situation. All right. So next up, Matthew from YouTube. How early in development should I start promoting a game? My game died, and I'm restarting development on Unity. Uh, yeah, Matthew, that's a good question. I, I think that uh, there's never a wrong time to start promoting the game. Uh, I have seen developers that start to promote their game on social media as soon as they start developing it. They showcase you know, how the characters are being built. They show, uh, you know, how they're developing the items. What you know, you're using Unity. They're showing how they're developing on Unity, and cr uh, character creation, all that stuff. Videos that are being um, published on their on their Twitter channels, um, just kind of uh, letting everyone know how they, uh, you know, everything's kind of coming into fruition. Um, you start to get, you start to get a community of developers around you that are able to also share your your project and your journey. Um, and then once the game starts to become more polished, that's when the consumers come flocking in. Uh, I think that, you know, and don't discount the game dev community. Other developers support developers. 
Uh, so you want to rely on them heavily to, uh, you know, be able to get their feedback, but also network for you and be able to promote for you as well. Um, and everyone's just very supportive in the game dev community. So, you know, I would say that the, the best time to start is now. You want to start promoting your game today, um, whether you want to promote it on social media, whether you uh, have a first uh, build or a demo that you want to showcase to media and influencers. Just make sure that the product is ready and make sure that you feel comfortable once you start to showcase the game to journalists and influencers um, and, and feel comfortable about where you are with the product. Even if it's a beta or an alpha, you know, you can always disclose that. But as long as the product is not crap, I mean, um, everyone knows that a game dev has a very hard job and they're doing their best to create a product that they love. Uh, everyone's pretty supportive of it. So uh, to answer your question, I think the best time to start is now. So from links the creator on YouTube, do your previous game sales affect uh, affect publisher interest? Um, you know, it's a, it's a good question. I think it I think it varies publisher by publisher, and um, you know, in the reason for this is that a lot of publishers care about the product now and where you are because they're going to want to be able to market it how they can, uh, which is a completely different story from how your sales did on the previous project. Uh, and not everyone's first project is always that successful, but we've seen time and time again that, um, you know, the the second or third projects are, are far more refined. They're more experienced. Uh, so the product is better overall. You're expecting the game to do better in terms of marketability and sales. Um, but yes, I mean, at times it does matter to some publishers. I wouldn't discourage you for, uh, you know, trying to push that forward anyways. Um, because, I mean, the, the reality is that a first game success, it does say it does say something about the you know scale of success that you were, you were able to achieve the first time around. It says you did a good job about it, and publishers like to see that. But I mean, again, a majority of the time, the first time that you're launching a project as a game dev, you're focused on the development, the marketing, and the sales aspect of stuff comes secondhand. Um, so you're you're trying to build a product and gain that experience that you can use as a developer moving forward. Uh, so I mean, it's kind of a yes and no answer, but. I would say it varies by by publisher, but uh, you should always be striving to you know, move that forward and work on your next project and secure a publishing deal. And the thing to keep in mind, too, is you don't want to ignore it when you're doing your pitch decks and things like that. I mean, address it. If you didn't have a lot of sales, and I see this a lot when we're scouting games and you know, we have a client that's like, I don't know, the first game didn't sell well. And I'm like, well no shit. They self-published it and they're a developer. They don't understand all the nuances and they don't have the experience in marketing. So mm -hmm. don't ignore it because yeah, it will come up, but just say, just explain it. It's like, look, we didn't either we had a bad launch experience or, you know, we didn't do it marketing or whatever, but just don't try to hide it because they're going to find out mm -hmm. either way. Um, so what are some of the most common mistakes that you see when it comes to developers trying to get the word out to publishers and investors through, through PR and marketing? Yeah, I think there's really two, two common mistakes that I, I see over and over. Um, the first one is not being present online. I mean, as ridiculous as it sounds, like, like games are you know on the internet, uh, but the social media presence... Um, the development, uh, you know, website and stuff like that. Like I've had people come to me and they're like, Hey, we have this game on steam and we don't have any wish lists. We're not getting any, uh, engagement on steam. 
no one is uh, no one found out about us. Why is that the case? They don't have a social media. They don't have a website. They're not sharing any updates. They're not being engaged. Stuff like that. I, I think that you know that happens. That's way way too common. Um, sadly, uh, the second thing I would say is not being um, understanding that you know it, there's not one single solution to the marketing um, of the the things that I just listed that is the the solution to what you're looking for. You know, you want to be able to build your brand presence. You want to be able to build your profile overall. Um, but it doesn't just come from one single thing. You need to uh, be active, you know, continuously push forward and, and keep yourself engaged in the discussion in order to build that profile. Because if you, let's say, finish your game and then you're ready to launch and then you create a social media and you have three posts before launch, uh, no one's going to give a shit about you. They're not going to look at anything you said because they don't even know who you are. Uh, but you have to have a cadence of you know putting yourself out there, uh, improving your SEO, getting digitally seen. Um, and I would say that you know you do that by by doing all these types of marketing that I'm mentioning. Work on PR. You don't have to hire an agency. Just start pitching journalists yourself and explain to them why you want your game covered and why it's a fit for them. Um, you know you don't need to pay for influencer marketing. Plenty of influencers they do stuff uh, for free. You know, they always help out game developers. They want to showcase the games for their own audiences because it's of interest. And then, you know, social media, the easiest thing to do, just keep yourself engaged, post your development updates, um, you know, share yourself in the discussions around Wishlist Wednesday, Screenshot Saturday and stuff like that. Uh, you know, the community will come with that. There's indie developers out there that have done phenomenal jobs at growing their own profiles with zero marketing budget. I was speaking to this um this studio um i think they were called bullhorn studio or something like that uh, a couple of months ago and they were based out of a small town in italy uh and you know they they told me that they've never done they've never allocated any kind of budget towards marketing it's just two people they're working on their game but their twitter had like three thousand followers all of their posts had um you know like anywhere between 50 to 200 likes and retweets great engagement I, I think that they did a phenomenal job of being able to build a community with, um, you know, zero marketing. And, um, you know, they're still developing the game, uh, but I know that they are looking for uh, a publisher and investor. And, you know, I'm pretty confident that uh, if the game is a quality product, they have the right marketing tools and, and KPIs around them that they met and um, the metrics look good. They'll, they'll have no problem securing that deal. And it, you, you bring up a good point about not having to go out and hire a PR agency. You know, if you're looking at the lowest common denominator and like the easiest, that low hanging fruit, just get somebody to help you with your social media. I mean, just doing that in and of itself, whether it's through an intern or a service or somebody that you bring on, that can be a huge help. But when you're talking about going and doing a lot of, pitching journalists on your own the hardest thing for indies to find is like where do you find those where is there like a list of journalists somewhere it's like how do you even go about building that that type of stuff yeah definitely so i would say start at google google's like we use google every single day um it's it's the basis of our job you go in you research you know who uh your competitors are and seeing the coverage that they're getting so if you if you have an indie game that's you know inspired by Chrono Trigger, or old school Final Fantasy, uh, 
uh, you know, Google that, see who's covering it. There's plenty of writers at Kotaku, at Polygon, you know, everywhere that cover these kinds of things um, and that are enthusiasts that, that you should send your game to. But don't just focus on the big sites. I think that the micro sites also do a great job of keeping their communities engaged. Their audiences are always active in, you know, uh, reading their articles and, and checking it out. Uh, you know, Indie Gamer has, has great coverage. Uh, you know, there's uh, s- smaller sites as well. Um, Niche Gamer, you know, Bleeding Cool. All these sites, they, they do a phenomenal job. They may not have 30, 30 million readers a month, um, but their audiences are actively engaged and you want to be able to tap those sites. So there's the ones that are the macro level, which are great. Um, but then there's the, the, the smaller sites that have great communities that are the ones that are um, actively engaged and they have great engagement rates. Um, you know, with that said, uh, you know, you can, you can always Google, you can always head to, to Twitter and check out these writers profiles in their bios. A lot of the time they, uh, you know, show what they cover and what they write about. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, all the information is available at your, at your disposal. Now, the one thing I will say is that, um, uh, one major reason that a lot of developers hire agencies for bandwidth and for um, existing relationships. Look, I'm not going to play the existing relationships card because I, I don't think that's necessarily always the case. Yes, relationships are important, but you can build those relationships yourself. I don't want to deter anyone from, from trying to do that. I think it's a great way to uh, you know, get seen by some of these guys uh, on the influencer and the PR side. Um, but the research and the bandwidth are the most important part. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It does take a lot of time to research. It does take a lot of uh, bandwidth to, you know, pull in um, hours on a spreadsheet and get these emails and reach out to some sites where you may not get a response. Um, but then there are the sites that will respond to you. They're the ones that want to cover your game. Learn more about, you know, how far you've come, when you're going to launch, what's next for you, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I think that that's really where the value of PR lies is, you know, once you put in the hours, uh, you, you're able to get in front of these journalists and these influencers then the rewards come in. Are you looking for a publisher for your game? Well, we have something special just for you. It's the most comprehensive listing of PC, console, and mobile publishers in the industry. Over 700 companies sorted by platform with links to their websites. You can get the list at www.powellgroupconsulting.com slash publisher dash list. And you can get it for free. Check it out. I think you're on mute. There, yes, I was muted because this stupid keyboard. Um, but the, uh, what is the difference in any sort of messaging itself, regardless of the platform? Are there different ways that you should pitch and pivot and promote a game when you're targeted specifically publishers and investors versus the way you target and approach the messaging for consumers? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so, yeah, it should be... Your overall messaging should be around the product. Um, when you're on the consumer side, you're pitching journalists, 
Um, you're targeting gamers. You're looking at influencers. I think you have to showcase why the product is so great. Um, I think you have to you know, talk about the features. Uh, if someone is a lover of retro RPGs, make sure to, to talk about the inspirations for that. Hey, you like old school Final Fantasy? Here's a great reason why you should check out what we have on Steam. Um, and then, you know, always provide the, the keys to, to the game and, and make sure that you have a press kit ready and all that stuff and share with them. But you should talk about the game itself. Now, when it comes to publishers and investors and you're trying to strike a deal, uh, there's a few ways to go about it. One is to talk about the company profile and why there's potential for you guys. Uh, talk about the, the, the equity, uh, the sweat equity that you put into it. This is something that uh, I learned from someone who's an investor himself. You know, he's, he always said like, hey, the numbers aren't always there for everyone, but the product may be great. And there is the reason uh, for that. The reason is that uh, developers spend so much time working on the development of the game that they don't always have the, the chops for marketing or they don't have the time to do it. Uh, so even if the product is great and the you know the anticipation and, and wish list and stuff like that, brand awareness may not be, um, that's okay. It, it, it's, you know, the sweat equity is also just as important. So if you don't have the numbers to show it, show the hard work that you put into the game and what you're willing to do for it to succeed. A lot of the times investors and publishers look at that as well. Uh, you know, it's all about having a great product and being able to sell it like that. Um, so when you're talking to publishers and investors, you know, you're going, you want to talk about the potential of what you're hoping to achieve. You want to talk about the hard work that you put into it, that, uh, you know, once they give you the money, you're not just going to be sitting on your butt and not doing anything. Uh, you want to be able to sell yourself as well. Sell yourself as a developer. Hey, I may not have tons of experience. I put in 160 hours the last month alone into, you know, pushing out this new feature that I really think is going to be a game changer for the industry. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've seen this uh, work incredibly well. Um, we had a client, um, they had a game called Mist Caller uh, from Onyx Wings uh, Studio in uh, Georgia, the country. And, you know, they got an investment from um, Shark Tank on uh, Shark Tank in Georgia. And, you know, the company itself had a puzzle platformer. You know, it was a very uh, simple game, I think, but uh, they, they really positioned themselves well. Uh, you know, they were talking about the future of the Georgian game industry, what they're hoping to accomplish with, you know, uh, the development of, of uh, Mist Caller and how they're trying to build a hub in Georgia um, and all this stuff. They sold themselves incredibly well. I think that they, they were very um, uh, perfect in their positioning uh, as a studio. And they did get a deal. They got an investment from, from Shark Tank. It helped them scale their company. It helped them build their game and all that stuff. Um, and now, you know, the the future, they're looking to expand and um, keep moving forward. So what? Right, let, let's say you've got your marketing plan going and you're, you're executing on whatever it may be that you're executing on. What are the metrics that you need to be looking at that are important to understand and grow when it comes to running one of these sorts of campaigns? Yeah, definitely. So um, when you're launching a specific marketing campaign, um, let's just take PR, for example. Um, I think it's important to you know, look at the success of the campaign and uh, basically review uh, you know, who covered you, how much coverage you got. Uh, in, in, you know, who wrote about you, um, what the impressions and reach of their sites are. Um, so, you know, there's plenty of free, uh, free tools out there, hypestat.com, similarweb.com. They're all able to help you assess and analyze the reach of 
the articles that uh, you were published in. Uh, look at the influencers on uh, Twitch and YouTube. You know, you can look at the views and the subscri subscribership, but I would try and, and look at the overall engagement of that YouTuber's video. So, you know, if, if you see that a YouTuber has, uh, I don't know, like 100,000 subscribers and the comments are 50 to 60, um, go take a look at their other videos. If their other videos have 30, 20 comments, you're kind of a bunch of, uh, above the benchmark that um, they're traditionally seeing, which is good. Uh, you know, try and get more exposure that way. And then take all those numbers, be able to, you know, amalgamate it and put it together. Um, put it in a nice part of your pitch deck. Uh, when it comes to the game, you know, talk about I was featured in IGN, Game Informer, PC Gamer, Indie Gamer, Niche Gamer. These are the total amount of media articles written about us. Um, here's the total reach, you know, 45 million. Uh, here's what they're saying. Overall sentiment, look at the positive versus negative sentiment. So read each article and be able to assess if what they're saying is positive, neutral, or negative. And then you want to include that. I think that having a 60, 70% positive sentiment rating out of 20 articles is great. I think that you can present that and using that as a marketing metric for uh, you know, pitching your game to a publisher and investor. Look at what influencers are saying. What was the total reach of the influencers? Uh, you know, don't be afraid to, to pull out negativity. And this is one thing that I think is incredibly important. Um, you want to be able to respond to criticism to your game in a fair way, but also use it as a way to improve your game. So if you see that, you know, 15 influencers play your game and they're saying that, you know, hey, this feature is kind of uh, falling short some ways or, uh, there's a few bugs here and there that need to be ironed out. You know, go straight to the to the dashboard and make sure you're doing that. Um, you know, be able to fix those things because that kind of uh, uh, feedback is incredibly important to your game. And then you're also able to use that as a way to present it to investors and publishers. Hey, you know, we had our game reviewed by 15 influencers, and they said that this feature could be improved. So what did we do? We took it to, uh, you know, our, our um, development tool. We were able to fix it. We went back to the drawing board and rebuilt the whole thing, or we fixed a small part of it. And, uh, you know, we asked them their feedback on it, and they loved it. I think that that shows an investor how willing you are to succeed because you're, you're open to the criticism and, and changing your product. You're open to, you know, fixing the details that need to be fixed. Uh, and all that stuff is incredibly important. It's it's funny that you mentioned the whole the good parts of negative reviews because just before we went live, I saw an article saying how it was good that some site has given Tears of the Kingdom a six out of ten, where everybody else is like hundreds across the board. It's like it's good to be realistic on some of these things as well. And then yeah, like you're saying, you know, show that you're able to adapt to it and you understand and you know why they had this concern. Is there a point when publishers and investors start looking at a game that they've seen a lot of marketing and PR servers, maybe they've seen it at two or three different conferences and it still doesn't have a publisher or an investor? Can you become a victim of having too much press without success? Or are they going to start thinking that something's wrong with the game or the studio because you still haven't landed something? Um, that's a good question. You know, I think that the purpose or the reasoning behind it is probably the most important part. So you get a ton of press, a lot of influencers are, are covering your game, but you still don't have a publisher. What's the reason? 
uh, a lot of the times publishers will ask and you have to be prepared to you know, have a, uh, a proper answer. So, you know, just saying that we're not interested in a publisher and investor is not going to work, obviously. Uh, but also talking about, you know, hey, you know, we didn't feel ready to take this game to market. I think that's a viable approach. Um, I don't think that there's ever a time where a publisher is going to be like, oh, they're too successful. They're, they, they have such a great market share that uh, something is suspicious uh, right out the bat. They're going to want to know why you haven't struck a deal yet. Yes. Uh, but your reasoning has to be important. If you fumbled it completely and you have all this stuff and people are just shitting all over the game, yeah, I, I don't think that you're going to get a publishing or an investing deal. But if you tell them that, hey, you know, the, the game just wasn't quite ready for us to be able to launch it yet, but we are ready now, and we're going to, uh, you know, looking for a go-to market partner, I think that's a perfectly viable reason. I don't think there's any problem with that. It's all about how ready you are. Uh, but, you know, just be prepared be prepared to answer some of the tough questions uh, because I, I do think that that will come up if you are incredibly successful and you pass on publishers and you're waiting like a year or two. And then, you know, once your game is ready to launch, the publisher is going to be like, all right, you had two years, you've built out this successful marketing campaign. Why are you looking for a publisher now? Uh, and I would be honest in the approach, just don't, you know, be pulling their, pulling their tail and, uh, you know, messing with them and stuff like that, just because you want to hear from publishers. There has to be a, a really good reason for what you're doing. Just as I tell developers, you know, it never hurts to ask, just ask the question. You know, we do see, you know, we have these games come up in green light meetings that, you know, we've seen at like five or six different conferences back to back and they have like a good market and like, or they had a hugely successful Kickstarter. And it's like, well, why do they need a publisher? You never yeah. know. Maybe they just don't. Yeah, they've got development funds. Fine. They just need somebody who knows how to execute on all this sort of stuff. But yeah, yeah, it's one of those things that you just like you said, you have to be willing to you have to be ready to answer these questions and answer them truthfully. So, I mean, look, I've been I've been part of these meetings um, where people are, are being hounded uh, on both the publisher and developer side and they're being hounded. They don't know how to answer the question because they think that their answer is going to be stupid. Uh, but you have to be prepared. I mean, you can't just walk in blindly and be like, oh, well, I never really thought about that until now. It doesn't work that way. You, you need to be able to be prepared to answer the hard questions. Or they are trying to second guess and assume what answer the publisher or the investor wants to hear, and they're trying That's to tailor it. something, yeah. and that can quite, quite frequently backfire on you as well. All right, we've got about 15 more minutes here. So if you've got questions about PR, marketing, how it's going to help you get a publisher or an investor, drop them in chat, pop them in the Discord channel as well. Dan's keeping close attention over there and, and we'll get all of that answered. Now, one of the big things is discoverability on the consumer side, but discoverability still counts on the publisher, on yep. the investor side. How do you make your game stand out in a crowded market? I mean, we see even indie pubs getting 3,000 some submissions a year. What can you do to make yourself stand out against everybody else? Um, yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because I, I was just about to talk about that. Um, you know, your game has to have a great concept to it. Um, it can't it can't be very basic, but I understand the need to be able to do that for your first project to, to just try and get a feel for it and how the industry works, how the life cycle of a publishing deal works, 
um, and, and the go-to market strategy. But let's say that you've ironed out your game. You know what the concept is. You love it. You want everything to work well. The one thing I will tell you is that assets are critical in the way that you portray your game. Being able to make a trailer that stands out is incredibly important. Very, very important. Um, I worked a few years back with uh, a publisher, uh, sorry, a developer called Balancing Monkey Games when I was working at Vicarious PR. Shout out to the Michael and the team there. Uh, Balancing Monkey Games had this game called Before We Leave. It was a civilization builder. I think that there's lots of civilization builders, but they were just incredibly smart with how they developed the trailers and the assets to the game. It was like these hexagon style, um, you know, ways to build. They built everything using that style from the ground up. They understood their brand incredibly well and they understood their audience. They executed it perfectly. Um, so they had their trailer, which which got them some traction. Uh, if, if anyone's interested in checking out the announcement trailer for before we leave, go ahead and uh, run to YouTube and, and look at that very first reveal. I think it was like 2019 or 2018 or something like that. Um, so they did a great job with with their assets and, and working on that trailer. Uh, they eventually uh, got noticed by Epic, and Epic um, gave them, uh, you know, they, they launched on the Epic Store with an exclusivity deal, uh, which worked in their favor. I mean, I think that the game did incredibly well in terms of launch and, and sales and all that. Um, but when it came time to take the game to Steam, uh, they actually got a publishing deal with, I think it was Team 17. Um, and Team 17 handled the game for them for, for Steam. You know, we helped with some influencer stuff. But it was, I mean, talk about just knowing your audience, knowing your niche. They didn't try to appeal to everyone. They knew who they wanted to target. They developed a very, very wonderful trailer, very great key art and screenshots that got noticed by media. Uh, you know, we got them reviews into into almost every publication. The game did incredibly well. I think like seven and eights across the board, uh, sales wise, it, it took off. Uh, but it was really, I mean, it's a team from New Zealand. I think they were like three or four people when they uh, first made that that announcement trailer. They knew how to develop a very good trailer. And they use that to their advantage. And then eventually it got them an epic deal, got them a publishing deal with Team 17. And, you know, the rest was history. I think they're working on their next game that they uh, they just recently announced. So just had a question come in from YouTube. I work at an indie game development company. We are not currently working on our marketing and social media. In your opinion, can we get a good contract with a publisher anyway? Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I don't think that, uh, you know, it, it works against you. Uh, it only helps you. So we've seen uh, a lot of cases where, I mean, the product is incredibly well built and, uh, you know, publishers love the game. Uh, they want to be a part of it and be able to work on it from start to finish. So being able to announce it, handle the social, uh, work on the PR, influencer marketing campaign, and then, of course, launch it and take it to market. Um, so I, I don't think that you necessarily, uh, need, you know, all of this stuff to start, but it, it definitely gets you a head start. You want to be able to be put on the map. You want publishers to want to work with you and to actively seek you out. And that's the major benefits of working with, uh, or just doing marketing for yourself. Uh, you know, whether you hire an agency, someone in house, it, it ultimately just helps your case and why a publisher and an investor should work with you and invest in your project. 
but to answer your question, no, it's it's not absolutely necessary. If your product is fantastic, it'll find its way to a publisher eventually. And, and it's also good. I mean, just aside from the publisher interest level, it's also good to get that exposure. So you also start getting feedback. It's like we just had a situation where you know, the publisher was talking about how difficult the game was even in its current stage and it was obvious that the developer was fine-tuning the difficulty to them not necessarily the audience and so if you're consistently working in a vacuum and you don't have feedback coming from you know the consumers on one side but also from publishers and investors on the other side because those publishers will give you feedback occasionally yep you run the risk of of you know just basically not seeing the forest for the trees and focusing on what your team finds difficult, which is going to be way different than what the you know consumers or the publishers find difficult. Yeah. And we, um, we, we do marketing for um, th this company called GXC. They're a global investment company, but um, they have a, a few brands and, and one of them is called global top round. They also have uh, game round, which is a, um, a, a user feedback platform for games that haven't launched yet. Um, I think a really good example of this is a game called Stray Blade, which uh, recently launched. Uh, you know, they basically took their game to uh, they had it was a Souls like game. So, um, you know, they took it to to GTR. They got a lot of feedback. Um, they took it to Game Round, and a lot of uh, players played it. They gave some crucial feedback, and uh, you know, they saw what they needed to change with the fighting mechanics, the overall game design. They heard from the players directly what they uh what they needed to fix and and what they saw and what they liked and didn't like um and then they they turned it around you know they redesigned some stuff to their game and they eventually secured a publishing deal with uh 505 games um and that was like a perfect example of um exposing your game early marketing it getting feedback listening to the feedback and then taking that and and taking it to market with a publisher who was really impressed with the results that they made um, and I know 505 really liked the concept of the game. Um, it just launched a couple of weeks ago and, uh, you know, it's, it's out there now, but it was like, I don't know, probably like a two or a couple year journey of, you know, uh, seeing what people had to say about it, doing a lot of demo and AB testing and, um, getting feedback, uh, from exposing it to the market early. So is there a way to in the PR, the marketing around getting that dreaded mixed review segment on Steam? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it's something that developers see time and time again. Look, I, I will say this about reviews. I used to do PR for a company called Trustpilot. They were an online reviews platform. Um, the one thing about reviews in general are that, you know, people will look at a rating and they will assess their game upon that first glance. And it's, it's struggle for people to be able to uh, overcome that if your game has mixed reviews. But if you respond to a negative or a mixed review uh, and, and you respond directly, whether it be you know, reaching out to that person that wrote the review, responding with improvements to your game, there was like this report that Trustpilot had put out that, said something like like 30 or to 40 percent of people will be willing to give you a second chance if you respond to their negative review so i don't think a lot of people realize just how important it is for gamers to be heard um you know 
if someone doesn't like your game and they leave you a negative review, it's very important to reach out to them and trying to, you know, uh, implement the changes that, that they want, but also try to understand with them and, and ask them to take another look at the game. So let's say that your game has launched and there was like a, a feature people didn't like or it was buggy, you know, be quick to fix that and go back to them and ask them to give you a second chance. 30 to 40% of the time, they're going to give you a second chance. And I think people need to realize that developers need to understand that once your community is heard, they're going to be more in your corner than you think. And you can definitely leverage that to getting you know, past that mixed, uh, mixed review hurdle from Steam. All right, so this one's along the similar lines, but it's it's a long one, so bear with me here. Um, Arthur on YouTube says, I'm concerned about putting my new development to the public since the publisher usually wants to control the launch narrative. It just seems like a catch-22. If I ex publicly expose the game, then a publisher doesn't want to deal with the marketing because it's already viewable by the public. So what's the answer to that? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, you know, there's kind of two paths you can take here, Arthur. I would say that, if you want to be able to market your game and take it to, to launch the way that you want to, um, you shouldn't let a publisher interfere with that. Um, if you're okay with them controlling the narrative, and, and I have seen it, you are right in some, some cases, um, I have seen a publisher wanting to be able to take control of the marketing, the PR, and, and the way that it's spun from uh, front to end. Uh, you know, by all means, don't, don't announce your game early. Um, but at the end of the day, the quality of the product is really what stands out. So if your game is fantastic, you know, the marketing comes with it and the success will, will ride along with it too. Uh, I don't think you have to necessarily be worried about the narrative because at the end of the day, they're, they're just looking at the product. I mean, they, you know, a, a narrative is a fantastic story. Don't get me wrong. It's a great way to drum up some interest and, and all that stuff. Um, uh, but it's not going to really impact your reviews and, you know, all that stuff in the way that you think it will. Uh, influencers are still going to play your game. Media is still going to review your game. And, you know, the narrative may get you a couple of, you know, uh, people here and there. But it could also work against you. I mean, um, there's not really a right or wrong answer to it. It's more just about how you want to take your game to market. Do you want to be able to be the one to, you know, control the, the marketing and the narrative around it? Or are you okay with someone else taking the reins there and doing it for you? And if the second option is there, that's fine. I mean, a lot of developers, they just want to focus on developing and have someone else market their game. Then that's the option for you. Um, but I have seen from my own experience, publishers and investors do come flocking when a game is doing incredibly successful in building their own brand and building brand awareness. All right. So I here, here's your big chance to, to plug and, and, and promote everything that's going on. So we've only got a, a few more minutes. Tell us what you've got going on, what's new, how people can reach out to you, contact you, that sort of stuff. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, at Looper, we're working on a ton of projects. We focus primarily on uh, indie games. I myself have launched over 200 uh, marketing campaigns for games. with the biggest of the big, from Nexon to Microsoft to the smallest indie developers, you know, one-man teams. I've seen it all. I mean, 200 campaigns. Um, across the board over, over my career, I think that, um, you know, we understand how tough it is to be a developer in today's landscape and we're able to help market your game and market your strengths in ways that you might not see. Um, you know, uh, I, I feel for the developers. We understand them at every single level. 
Um, and you know, you don't have to hire us. It's not, it's not a big deal. Like I'm always down to just chat and, you know, give you some advice where you need to, you can uh, head over to our website, looper.gg or email me Wahid at looper.gg. Um, uh, but I'm always looking to, to network, to, um, you know, expand my network there and connect with developers, see what you guys are working on. Uh, and then if you're in need of marketing, I mean, I, th I think that we are some of the best in the business. We have a very capable team. I myself have been working in this industry for 10 years, uh, always down to to connect and work on some new projects. So, you know, hit me up. All right. We've got one more from Lee on YouTube, and it's a good one. So I want to make sure we hit this before we go. What do you think of a developer offering to pay play with a potential publisher or investor directly during their game review process, allowing the dev to address questions and provide real-time feedback? Yeah, hey Lee. Um, I think it's it's critical. Uh, if if a publisher or investor wants to be part of the game review process, I mean they have insights that they're able to uh, provide to you that others may not have. Um, I think it was I can't remember exactly who the publisher was. A couple of years back, I was working with uh, a developer out in Asia, and um, you know they had wanted to bring their game to the West. So the publisher that they had secured a deal with had recommended that um, they wanted to uh, work out the uh, game review process for them and get you know direct feedback from gamers. Um, they played it out. They were able to make the changes to their game because there's a lot of transition coming from east to west in terms of you know Asia to North America markets. Um, they were able to launch their game, and I, I think that they did an incredibly good job. And that was all thanks to the the publisher that had invested and you know the QA and the playtesting behind it. They were able to basically you know, review the game properly. Um, they were able to take it to media for reviews and um, get great coverage for them. And the game, you know, I, I think did uh, particularly well in in sell. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate all the insight. Thanks for having me, Jay. Dan? Yes, I'm right here. Indy's right Indy's back, in Dan. the house. What's up? Uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It's been, this is a good one for sure. Make sure, and thank you, Tripwire Presents, right here. This right here for sponsoring us. It's amazing. Make sure and join the Discord if you have not already. Discord.gg slash Indie Game Business. And this podcast, this will be a podcast on all your favorite podcasts podcast platforms so just look up indie game business and if you're curious about our next event which is in september uh go to indie game dot business highly recommend you business attend stuff. guys indie game yes. business is is cru uh, crucial to the industry yes yes and jay has some special passes for people yeah always if, if always you, special I mean, our tickets are only like 50 bucks for the meet the match section you can watch and participate in all the sessions 100 percent free but if 50 bucks is a lot of money wherever you are, that's perfectly fine. Just DM us, send me an email, whatever. I'll hook you up and get you a pass. So awesome. All right. Well, to everyone, enjoy Tears of the Kingdom Day. Uh, and then... <laughs> Jay's done. He's going to go. He's got it all queued up. No, for I'm not. Son. Jay's been I, waiting I, to go play. <laughs> have it up there and waiting for my son to come home. I'm not going to jump on it before he does. It's all him. I got work to do anyway. So it's, it's I'm, I'm being the good dad today and not going and playing it before he gets home. Um, but yeah, well, thank you as so much. And Thanks, people can find you on Looper. It's Looper.com, right? Looper.gg. Looper.gg. Yep. And yeah, everybody else, we'll see you next week.
Bye. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.